suicide game just yesterday It's made all that I learned The emptiness of life examined Hello out there and welcome to another episode of Things I Learned While Learning Other Things. This is an attempt by me, Joe Moran, and my brother, J.S., to provide you with a series of interesting, informative, educational, and we hope enjoyable stories that will help you navigate those high seas of life. Today we introduce the subject, Red Frankenstein, Test Tube 1. You know, it is said that everyone has at least one good idea in life. Well, I'm not sure if this is always said, but I, at least I say it. I say, maybe, maybe you have one good idea. By way of illustration, it once happened in Russia. It had worked on horses, all that scientific breeding stuff, hadn't it? Improved indigenous Russian stock, didn't it? Was it not also true the Bolsheviks had crafted a strain of exceptionally productive superworkers, recognized and honored by the party as Stakhanovites for their extraordinarily, nearly unbelievably prodigious productivity rates inside a collectivized and rapidly expanding industrializing Russia from essentially a baseline manufacturing rate asymptotic to zero. Was that not all true? Well, yes, it was all true. Did not years later, the Communist Party in Russia and the East Germans produce female swimmers who looked like men? Some had deep voices like men, shaved like men, and most importantly, swam like men. Times dropped like stones in pools. Nosedived. Records fell. And between training regimens, steroid usage, and selective breeding programs, did not these new kind of communist athletes dominate the pool? And, and then there were all those contestants in female track and field events. Now, the, those were a special breed of contestants, were they not? At the same time, Russia had produced out of Siberia a ferocious monster wrestler whom at six foot three, 287 pounds resembled, most resembled an angry Russian bear. He tossed around the mat opponents as if they were children. His name was Alexander Karelin. He didn't lose a match for 13 years. He terrified any man unfortunate enough to draw Karelin and his menacing presence as an opponent. And the Russians also unveiled two stunned followers of women's basketball all over the world, Uljana Semjanova, a seven foot, 270 pound female center who would win for Russia two Olympic gold medals. In fact, Russia never lost a single international game with Semjanova on the court for Russia's national team. Her shoe size, an unusual men's size 21, is, and it's unlikely to be seen again in women's locker rooms at any time, anytime soon. So, so in 1920, Russia... Why not a new breed of humans? Well, not humans exactly. Something else really. 
a new species in essence. What was needed to accomplish this break, um, breakthrough feat? Investment funding and scientific ingenuity were called for. This was Stalin's Russia. So anything was possible. Well, anything Stalin wanted was possible anyway. What exactly would Stalin have to lose if he decided to invest a few of those excess state funds extracted from those dirty, nasty, no good enemies of the state, those greedy bastard kulaks? You know, throwing some money in support of a good cause, but what had been no doubt assessed, you know, evaluated as no more than just a far-fetched long shot. A very strange plan, cultured in the infested petri dish of the mind of one very strange Russian scientist geneticist whom had formulated a plan by which he'd somehow create out of a test tube in some lab. Voila, he'd produce a true new super strong species of worker for beloved mother, mother Russia. Oh, yes, yes, he would. A species never seen before on planet Earth. And of course, the best part, with so much pride, whatever these creatures might be that he'd create, they'd be Russians, comrades of a sort. And Russia, post the bloodbath that was the Bolshevik Revolution and all that followed, was it not true that they sure could use a little good news today? Now, a handsome, charismatic, a drug-addicted JFK, he might have asked why. Einstein, enshrouded in a, a giant smoke ring, he too might have asked why. Well, he would have asked it because God did not play dice. But Stalin, well, Stalin, he asked only why not? For he just must have concluded, as he so often had, if things don't work out as planned, I'll just shoot the guy. He'd coined the phrase, no man, no problem, hadn't he? Well, yes, he had. So that alone was reason enough to conclude, why not? And lo and behold, that's just about how things did wind up. But first, the backstory, the idea. In 1926, you know, the Bolshevik Revolution just as the protagonist of that 1969 John Fogarty CCR hit song, Lodi, later set out on the road and, oh Lord, got stuck in Lodi. One weird Russian biologist by the name of Ilya Ivanov. He too set out on the road again, Willie Nelson style. In his case, Ivanov was headed for French West Africa by way of Paris with an idea. And once arrived in Guinea, in French West Africa, he planned to perform some very strange biological experiments sanctioned and financed by no less an authority than Joseph Stalin himself, supported by senior Russian Communist Party officials. This was despite the fact that Russia at that time really was, I mean, it really was hard-pressed for funds. Not unlike John Fogarty's protagonist of Lodi, whom unfortunately had also ran out of time and money. Ivanov was a noted, foremost, recognized authority figure in the specialized newfound field of artificial insemination, who'd employed his unique skill set already 
to bring to this planet, to bring to planet Earth, never before seen mixed hybrid animals such as the Zedunk, zebra, donkey combo, and Zubran, bison, cow cross. Why? Why planet Earth needed such newly created bizarre species is anyone's guess, really. Why? For what purposes? Who knew? Who cares? Give me some green alligators and long-necked geese. Well, you know, that's the kind of thinking, I guess, that drove Dr. Ivanov on. In any event, Dr. Ivanov, the crossbreeder, the wonderful Dr. Ivanov, had bigger plans now, more ambitious plans, and a mind and an imagination as fertile as H.G. Wells or Mary Shelley. Of this, there is no doubt. He envisioned different kinds of life forms, and he intended to bring them to life, real life, not to make them stars in books of science fiction. No, no. These would be the no less than the real deal, living, breathing, walking the earth specimens. At first, Ivanov brought his plans to Stalin. Now, I, I've got to admit, not only did this mad scientist appear to have brains, but he must have had guts, some nerve, and like the male kangaroo, was endowed with a quite, quite a set of big balls on him. Ivanov himself, obviously, was a rare, different breed. But on reflection, maybe also like the kangaroo, the national symbol of Australia, Ivanov had been also, you know, he, he was endowed with, endowed with a hard ass and a small brain as well. Why? But, but why, oh why, would Stalin and the Bolsheviks agree to fund a project that really did seem more than a bit harebrained, very unlikely to work, and would pay no dividends. Interestingly as well was why a scientist would risk his life should he fail. And the odds were he would. Stalin was known to be a ghastly beast, not unknown for, you know, not known for his willingness or ability to accommodate very well any failure on his watch, no matter how difficult the task undertaken. The number of senior Red Army officers shot for failing to obtain Stalin's military objectives during the Second World War were later proof of the ultimate price to be paid for failure on battlefield. Don't disappoint Joseph Stalin. Failure for the good Dr. Ivanov assuredly meant at best, an e-ticket to an internment camp in a Siberian gulag, a bullet, or both, courtesy of the tick mark made by Joseph Stalin on his infamous list. For reasons known only to Stalin, he preferred to make those tick marks using only his preferred blue pencils. And it is it and by the way, it is with those same sharpened blue pencil that Stalin painstakingly drew detailed sketches of very menacing wolves during the long, arduous, never-ending meetings with comrades, meetings that apparently bored the crap out of Stalin, bored him nearly to death. And 
You never want Stalin thinking about death. And his focus clearly was not on whatever was the subject at hand, nor was it on his fellow comrades in the meeting. His attention was paid only to the accuracy of his depiction of those scary wolves. Don't think that fellow comrades, you know, weren't paying avid attention as those wolves slowly but surely but inexorably came to life on Stalin's notepad. <laughs> those wolves had to be symbolic of something dangerous being in the wind. The lead, leader wasn't doodling Picasso-like doves of peace. No, he was not. So we shall stop right here as Dr. Ivanov makes the plans he shares with Stalin. The planned genetic crossing of humans with anthropoids. <laughs> what, what could go wrong? Hey, thanks for listening and hope you'll tune in to the rest of the story. Frankenstein, Red Frankenstein, Test Tube 2. I am... In a far off place, half of a world away, and there's so much to do, and there's so much to see. Mother Nature's had her way. There are mountains and valleys and beautiful hills, each vista something new. And though my imagination's been Admit it that I'm scared So can you try